Can you go check the back door, please? Okay, I don't know which door that was. That's creepy. <laughs> you have a pen for your You know defense? what's so funny? We were sitting here downstairs one time, right? And this is what he just said it was creepy. We were downstairs watching a movie. We heard the sound upstairs in his house like that. He looks at me. He's like, oh, it's just probably the wind. No fucking wind. Nothing or anything like that. It was just him just trying to be like, oh, I don't want to disturb like the forces upstairs. <laughs> Really, it, it was I didn't want to get off the couch and go upstairs to look and investigate the. I'm the person who investigates the sound is always the person who gets killed. No, they just say we'll be right back, which is why I send Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> I said the person who always investigates the person who investigates the sound. Come play with us, listeners, forever and ever and ever. Or just for season three. (laughs) (laughs) Three and a half gentlemen, the podcast, where three of the four hosts provide a refined and intellectual analysis of movies from our private collection, and one of us who tries desperately to keep up. We'll let you decide which host is which, but for now, my name is Sean, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Jeremiah. Hi, Lloyd. Things are a bit slow here. (laughs) Eddie? Room 237. And Brandon. Red Rum! Red Rum! Red Rum! Red Rum! Red Rum! That's fucking scary. Yeah. I was like, stop. (laughs) Stop. Stop This season, we're shaking things up a bit. We've decided that each host will pick a film from each decade, from the 70s to today, that exemplifies that time period. Some of the films will be underrated, some classics, while others will be overrated piles of cinematic crap. To finish off each decade, the host will have a group pick that is sure to delight. As with every review we give, our goal is to answer one simple question. How many drinks does it take to get through the film we've just watched? At the end of the podcast, we'll rate the movie based on a scale of 0 to 5. 0 is the perfect film that you can watch Stone Cold Sober, and 5 is a terrible film that leaves you plunging your face through an axe-destroyed door. Oh, wow. In addition to our review, we always pair our selection with a cocktail that we hope will enhance the viewing experience. This season, we want to focus a little bit more on the cocktail, so please feel free to shake, stir, or mix the cocktail that we've chosen and settle in for what we hope will be an engaging review. With that, gentlemen, what movie do we have tonight? Well, tonight we're going to be continuing our dive into the 80s with our third entry, and this one comes from Stanley Kubrick which is the 1980s classic, The Shining. This horror film is rated an 8.4 on IMDb, has a critic score of 84%, an audience score of 93% on Rotten Tomatoes, and is ranked 29th on AFI's 100 Films, 100 Thrills list. This tells about Jack Torrance, played by Jack Nicholson, who is a writer who uh, becomes the winter caretaker at the isolated Overlook Hotel in Colorado, who is hoping to cure his writer's block. Brandon, not to be interrupting you, but you picked this film. It's a story about an aspiring writer mm-hmm. and a teacher mm-hmm. that takes his family and murders them in the woods. <laughs> are, we, are we? Are you so, trying to do something here? Are you all I'm saying? Listen, all I'm saying is my wife and kids better watch out from from hedge mazes. You didn't let him finish a sentence. He didn't want to hurt them. He just wanted to bash their brains. He just wants to kill them. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I'm just saying, uh, don't leave me in a room by myself with a tennis ball. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Anyway, Jack Torrance settles in along with his wife, Wendy, played by the honestly one and only Shelley Duvall, and his son, Danny, played by Danny Lloyd, 
who is plagued by psychic premonitions, ESP, or as they like to call it, the shining. The shining. Not the shinny? The shining. No, it's the shining. That's from the, oh. it's, it's the shining, okay? <laughs> God damn it. As Jack's writing goes nowhere and Danny's visions become more disturbing, Jack discovers the hotel's dark secrets and begins to unravel into a homicidal maniac hell-bent on terrorizing his family. First impressions, Jeremiah. <laughs> Before we get into our cocktail selection, cocktail, um, cocktail. Before we get into our cocktail selection, we need to talk about whose film this is and additionally, what our initial impression of this movie were before sitting down to watch it. Since this is Brandon's film, and God bless you, by the way, Brandon, thank you for choosing this film. Mm, thank you. Please, what was your first impression? So I, I picked this one because I wanted to see this movie again. And I know that sounds weird, but I was going through the list of all the <laughs> 1980s classic films. And, uh, you know, one of the ones that I had in mind... Uh, was The Breakfast Club because I think that's a pivotal 1980s film. Stay tuned, guys. Two weeks from now, maybe. You'll <laughs> wink, hear, uh, hear wink. that. Wink, wink. No, um, but no, I was looking through it and I realized that there are a couple things in this world that I really like and I don't know why I like them because they completely go against everything that I, I am. And I mean that in the sense of horror movies. Like, I hate horror movies, but I like horror movies at the same time because they just, I, I hate being scared, but at the same time, there's like an interesting Would you thrill say you to it. you have a love-hate relationship? I feel like them? I do. The very love-hate Very much like the relationship between Jack and Wendy. Um, but no, I, I wanted to see this one again. It's a movie that, you know, it's hard to just say, hey, I'm going to put this in just for fun and kicks. But if I'm watching it for a purpose, and not only a purpose, but when I watch movies for this podcast, I really try to dive deeper than just kind of a, a surface level watching. And so I really wanted to watch this one again. And so I picked it. It's, you know, it's a classic. It is a movie that I've seen probably two or three times before watching it here. And honestly, I was lukewarm about it every single time I watch it. I never really understood the hype about it. And so I really wanted to kind of test it again and watch it again. So my, my first impressions were kind of expectations of being let down. And then I watched it and realized, holy shit, there is so much to this movie, not just in the crazy wild fan theories and everything, but there's so much quality in this film uh, that I think I finally understood why the movie is kind of the classic, the cult classic in a lot of ways that it is, that it has been since, you know, since its release in 1980. Um, Ed, what do you think? That's a pretty good first impression. Um, the entry scene, for some reason, I was like, oh my God, is this going to the mammoth? I, I draw the mammoth with my friends all the time, and is this what's going to happen if we're stuck <laughs> out there? Uh, it, this was a movie that I, I put together a few movies in my head that I just know... I have to be mentally ready for, and this is one of them. And the, another one would be like the Abyss, uh, and and then uh, there's another one, The Shining, and then also The Thing. Like I think the uh, I don't, so, so you got to prep yourself. I have to prep yeah. myself. But I thing. really I enjoy them, um, and I it's between this and The Thing. I kind of I can always like have them bunched up with each other. But I uh, first impression I was giving this. Uh, like a high movie in my movie ratings because I just know this movie has always been up there for everyone. Um, but overall, I was always always afraid to say it, but now I'm happy that everyone feels the same vibe. I, I was a little bit lost always in this movie, thinking like, well, where are they going to take it? Like, <laughs> where, 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 did I miss like something? what the fuck is going yeah, on? Like, I feel like you're <laughs> in a maze. I feel like you're I trying to figure your way out. Why are furniture's moving every uh, scene? Yeah. <laughs> it also feels like every, uh, I don't know, it's like, I feel like it's, Every scene, it's like, did I like did I miss thirty minutes of the movie without knowing it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, but uh, that's what I thought, uh, Jeremy. Uh, this was that one movie that you pass in the video stores in the movie store selection when you're about to rent something and you see the face cover of Jack Nicholson and his face through the door, and you're like, 
oh, I shouldn't be watching that movie, you know? And then I remember going to like record stores and whatnot. Um, the, usually you see his face in a poster, oh, yeah. you know, and I remember yeah, I bought that poster too when I was little. I was yeah. like, wow, that scared, must be cool. Scared the crap out of me. Yeah, and, in our room, bro. <laughs> and this movie is, I'm going to say it, it's probably one of my favorite horror movies ever made because I just think it's a movie that you don't know what you're watching and you can see something different every single time. It's not the typical jump scare type of movie where it's going to fuck you up or something like that. It is a like a tense. It's a mind fuck of a movie. Yeah, it, really it is. is. It really does. And so my first impression when I first saw it was probably like on like regular TV show and just that whole axe scene, just totally just change everything. Like that movie really fucked me up when I was little. I was like, wow, I need to see this movie. Little mom doesn't know about this. <laughs> uh, so I had never seen this movie before. Uh before about probably a year ago and uh jeremy forced me to go through all of these horror movies when like he the says thing, forced Halloween. it was just like we had dinner did you like we the- decided to watch movies that you know what made jeremiah like you know who is jeremiah is, i guess mm-hmm. it's not, yeah it's not your name, bro. uh and, <laughs> Sorry, and actually i think bad. kim i think kim watched it with us uh did she i think she did um, and speaking to Kim, who's this Kim? Kim. Uh, anyway, so I had never seen it, and it's always one of those movies that I've avoided because I don't like scary movies. I, but it's a classic, and I was like, okay, I'm gonna watch the thing. I'm gonna watch Halloween. I'm gonna watch The Shining. I'm gonna watch all Halloween. these horror movies, and and get them out of my system. And I I, I was good because I watched them all at once. Like but you watched all the month. good ones. Too. Yeah, that was right. pretty awesome. So this was part of that grouping, and I remember sitting down in the movie, sitting down for the movie, and going, I really. I like the quality of the movie. It was on Blu-ray. It was be- it was beautiful, and the music was sharp, and it was just it felt different. It felt like I, I'm not super familiar with Kubrick's work, and it just felt so different. Like it was a different feel, a different vibe than anything I'd ever seen before. And so my first impression was was positive, and then I kind of expected to be let down. So. I continue to watch the movie and I wasn't. Well, <laughs> I was like, well, where are you going with that? I'm sorry. Well, I didn't want to give away my, my view. On the movie. Did you like it? Yes or no? Yeah, I think, okay, it, yeah. I, I think it did. Okay. Yeah. Eddie cocktail. Shaking that stirred. Uh, <laughs> as we mentioned earlier with each movie, we try to pair the tone, feel and overall impact of the story for cocktail. This season though, we really want to discuss the cocktail and more and how it links up to the movie selection. Everyone who listens knows that when we finally watch the bond movie, to it's coming up, talk, it's coming up. We'll pair it with a vodka martini shaking that stirred with a lemon pill. We better drink that drink. We are going to have okay. a vodka martini shaking not stirred with a We're not going to have a But Heineken? tonight's cocktail uh, was chosen by none other than the famous Brandon. Well, thank you. Uh, so he'll be talking about us through the cocktail. Brandon? All right, so tonight we are going to have the drink red rum, which, I mean, honestly, you have to have red rum. Um, so this is a drink with a little bit of a bite to it to go along with a movie that stays in your mind a long time after you watch it. Red rum is an important aspect of the film, and bringing in a drink with rum that's red, well, what more can you ask for? (laughs) Uh, To make this drink, you're going to need dark rum, jack honey, some cherries, a little bit of orange zest, and a little bit of cinnamon to top it off, and then you can just shine on and shine on and shine on. And and just as a special note, Jack Daniels, if you're looking for sponsor uh, opportunities, we are more than than happy to make every drink with you. Let me just tell you, I have not (laughs) tried jack honey, but god damn it, it smells amazing, (laughs) and I cannot wait to taste it. So let's... Let's, the cherry uh, company or the orange company or cinnamon uh, company. Yeah, yeah. I, the early, like, I will rock right. Jack shirts all day. Cheers. 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 Thank you. The hair of the dog that bit me. All right, I'm going to give my first impression of this drink. 
Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. The Ooh. first taste. The, oh. Look at the bottom. The first taste is not good. The first taste is not good. Like the lingering honey aftertaste. That's delicious. It cleanses your palate and makes you want more. <laughs> God that, dang it. Is that the honey or is that the orange? No, it's, it's, the, the, it's orange, the honey. The, the, citrus, the, the citrus. Five miserable months being <laughs> on the wagon. The citrus is wonderful. The cherries, I don't think, are adding a lot to it. It's just to make it red. Um, oh my god! Second second sip is much better. It's, it's really quite way good. better. The I'm second shocked. Sip. Yeah, we have done. I, I will commend yeah. us on this season's drinks and movie choices have been on point. Just 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 so we. Get, no no no! You get a little bit of the cherry in there. You know what I like with this is and probably it tastes, a, a you get a little peel. bit of sweet. Yeah. You get a little bit of sweet. It's, it's that peel. aftertaste. It, it's like the you, aftertaste. It's really good, man. I would like more I, orange, like an orange peel, like an old, yeah. fat, like a yeah. yeah. I don't know if I could have more than one of these. Uh-huh. But really, no. quite. But good. the cherry really makes no. it kind of sweet. I'm gonna need an Uber if home you have after more this. Than one of oh, these, you didn't like it then? Fucking dangerous, yeah. I'm kidding. This is pretty. This is a strong drink. This is a good one. Yes, it's basically alcohol with just a little bit of cherry. Thank you, Lloyd. Yeah, it's all alcohol. Thank you, Google. It's a drinks inspired by. By the Shining. So we would, I would say that I would recommend this. This is uh, one of the ones that I'd recommend the most. Yeah. So if you're if you're listening to the review, stop now. Yeah. Yeah. Hit pause. Make yourself one of these wonderful cocktails, and then where can uh, they find a recipe for this wonderful cocktail? On Sean? our website uh, at thegentlemanpodcast.com. Thank you so much. It's a little slow tonight, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's, okay. Let's talk about this thing. Let's, let's talk about this thing. Let's talk about the opening title of the film. I mean. It's so dreadful. I feel like you know uh, uh, the mentor was sucking the life out it of me was when, so when he watches. Long, right? I remember that, that that was one of the first things I remember from when I first saw this. Yeah, and I probably first saw it when I was thirteen or so, maybe. And I would just remember the drive, right? That drive that just goes on and on and on and on and on. And it wasn't until I'm you know older and now looking back and, and kind of looking at it analytically and saying that's to show just how far out there there they are and they're how how isolated they are. Um, that soundtrack is creepy. Creepy as I'm, shit. I know we probably can get to it eventually, but I want to just talk about the sound mixing, the sound editing, the use of sound, made the it, music, no everything. Like, no nominations. No nominations well, for anything in this film at all. And that thing, to me is a... The thing is, is that they really don't have really a composer that actually mm-hmm. did the film. They had a guy that was a music editor that just put a lot of spice and things in, together and whatnot. The only composers they had was uh, these two w- women, Wendy uh, Carlos and Rachel uh, Illin. They did an adapt piece of Dies Irae, which is, means Day of Wrath. So it pretty much foreshadows of what you're going to be watching on the screen. Yeah. Um, but I, So I was watching the movie uh, last night, and I was on the couch, and I was watching it on the TV. And my wife is in the kitchen behind me doing some work or whatever. And she kept looking up and just being like, oh, my God, that is the most annoying sound <laughs> ever. And I said, for you... It's annoying. For me, it's terrifying as hell because it's just constant and it builds and it, then it goes down. And then it, it doesn't. There, like, I think you mentioned it, Jeremiah, that there's not really any jump scares in this movie no, at not. all. But man, there's a, a constant sense of dread and fear. And it builds. And it builds beautifully. It builds so perfectly. I, um, yeah. To piggyback on the sound of music, I remember sound of music. The music. I remember uh, I was watching this with Hannah and she was asleep. Sorry. <laughs> she was asleep and she literally woke up. And she's like, Can you please turn off that sound? Yeah. She's like, That that, that song just went in my dream right now. Yeah. I dreamt that shit right there. <laughs> and I was just funny. like, And she literally just stopped. I'm like, All right, yo. <laughs> like, but that's the thing is it gets inside your head and you it's just, you cannot 
watch this movie with the with the sound and the music I feel and not literally be like leaning forward expecting something so, bad to happen. So I was watching this movie also yesterday, but like nighttime. Um, <laughs> so I was feeding Avery, my five-month-old, right? And she was Fucking like... Fucking up early. <laughs> her eyes... <laughs> I realize now, the thinking about it now though, her eyes were so big just drinking the bottle... Looking at the right <laughs> Watching the blood fill the screen. So when like, she becomes it, what she becomes. It was, very, it was a very just an opening Remember scene. This. It was just an opening scene. She woke up for a feeding. And I was like, oh, well, it's, you know, I can feed her. But her eyes were so, so like, open. <laughs> and it was like, oh, you're not. You know, I was just thinking in my head, like, wow, this, you know, like, probably I should pause this movie right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that this might be sacrilegious. And, and Sean, you, you might attack me for this. But I think that of any horror film, or really maybe any film that uses music to its benefit psycho in this one i look at them kind of lumped in the same category and i do think that maybe aesthetically or mentally or 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 purposefully they tried to mirror what psycho did with the screeching and and to me it just it's such a sense of unease that's the word that i can i kept going back to it it makes you uncomfortable yeah Uh, so what i i love the music don't don't get me wrong i love the sound what i think that this movie does better than most movies is silence having nothing and then only focusing on the Mm -hmm. sounds that are there. You're Mm -hmm. not. So I'm a sucker for a John Williams score. John Williams is the greatest composer of all time. Michael Guccino or however you say it. Guciano. Guciano is also very, very good. There's a Horner's good. Great. But they fill the movie with music and they tell you what to feel by what music is going on. This film to me, there was like a couple of scenes Early on where they're sitting down and eating breakfast and all you have in their apartment is books. Mm-hmm. Like no, there's, there's no like digital entertainment. I obviously it's the eighties, but like if you notice every shelf is stacked with books, there's books on the floor, there's books everywhere. Like, and, and what I see is him dominating their family yeah. with his obsession. Yeah. I like that. I like and that. And the silence between them is creepy as hell mm-hmm. because you you it's almost like he's checked out from the moment mm-hmm. he comes on screen so what's what so not just the music i, I, I kind of extend this beyond just music but also include just the, the the special effects sounds right the tricycle going over the hard floor and yeah. then the carpet and the hard floor and the carpet it's this redundant repetitive it almost like you're i don't insane. even think it's almost it, that's exactly they, they, it drives to make you, you crazy. go insane a little bit to understand and yeah, for, for two hours and 20 minutes you're getting that cabin fever that Jack and the family are getting. And how you see it, how it's shot. It was like the first time using like a yeah. cam, following the, the kid on the, uh, the, was it the tricycle or whatever? Yeah, it was a big wheel. You know, but you're, you're following Not it around and you're seeing like how, how big the hotel, the hotel is, is and how empty it is like and everything. Every day he goes on a different level. <laughs> it's yeah. Like it's crazy. But now. I honestly think that hotel is like a labyrinth, man. I like, think that's I, so interesting. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. I just think the hotel is just like this elaborate it's vibe. Elaborate. But you also have every scene that he's typing. You hear the clicking of the keyboard. It's too repetitive. Throughout the, like echoing the throughout thing. the whole yeah. thing. And you've got this, like you, I never thought about it like that where it's a repetitive, mm-hmm. irritating sound, but it's almost like I'm like, stop freaking typing. Mm-hmm. Like it bugs the crap. Like, I don't know if I could live in there for five months and listen to that every single yeah. moment of the day. Especially yeah. knowing, I would have to type. watch it again to see if there's anything else besides the tricycle and the typewriter that is that kind of re- redundant sound. There's the wind too. Yeah, the wind and and there's it's not. There like, is that wind sound. Yeah, it's not it's, and it's not like a shutter. It's like wind against glass, like the mm-hmm. 
like that really kind good. of. Also, I thought yeah. it was pretty good. That was really good. Also, just the like it being so silent, like just nothing right. there, mm-hmm. is also like going insane because it's like you're you're. Every it's like you're going crazy in your head. Every it's drop so, of water, it's so yeah. quiet that it's so it's like wow, like I'm going insane right now because it's too quiet. And it highlights something like when there is sound, especially if it's the music or something like that. It highlights it. It makes it even that much more jarring. I you're guess talking about the high piercing sound where you see uh, Jack Nicholson looking like this, you know, the like Kubrick he, stare. The, yeah, the Kubrick mm-hmm. stare, and you hear that high pitch sound like something's about to like pop or something's about to like, fucking break or something it, like and that. And it, it goes up, like yeah, it, it it starts out and then it just kind of it's like um like the revving of an engine only with sound, like it, yeah. it just is yeah. Sidebar, guys, this drink is was <laughs> literally so good. Um, I got okay. two twenties and two tens in my pocket. So <laughs> the, okay, so there's a couple things that I want to kind of get out of the way. And, and Jeremiah, I know off off mic, we talked about it a little bit, but there are so many theories as to what this movie is about. Now, a couple backstory things: Stephen King, who wrote the original book, um, Stanley Kubrick decided to take this book and destroy it in the sense of the story. Right? He he redid almost Everything. half of it. Yeah, at least half of it. Um, so bad that Stephen King came out and vocally was was anti shiny. He said it's a terrible movie. It literally, it, he likened it to a car with no engine. Do a you beautiful know why car no he did not like it? Well, he he didn't like it for a couple of reasons. I know he didn't like it because Shelley Duvall was the opposite of what he wanted for Wendy. So was Jack. So was Jack. Yeah, and, and the reason vocal. how Jack in the book he actually has like kind of like this redemption vibe, like trying to save mm-hmm. his family from the ghost. Mm-hmm. Where in the movie he's like, "No, nah, I'm just going to kill yeah. my family." Which that's the one thing he did not. Yeah, like Yeah, and about. I don't know if you guys ever so, saw it, but in 1997 they came out with a miniseries that Stephen did, King yeah. wrote and produced, and I remember watching that live on on ABC or NBC or whatever it was, and that was actually my first introduction to it. So 97, I was 12. I didn't actually see the, the Kubrick movie until I was probably 13, 14, so a little <laughs> bit after that. But I remember watching this six-hour, seven-hour, eight-hour TV miniseries because that was the day that they did that. And I remember thinking, holy shit, this is literally the scariest thing I've ever seen. And it was so well. But what's interesting is that that tied together exactly with the book. Um, and for somebody who reads a lot and loves books, I've never read The Shining. I've started it about four times, and I'm just... I'm going to say it. Stephen King, to me, is the most overrated author yeah. in the world. That's uh, I just am Krubeck, not a fan. That's the reason Rebecca Krubeck was like that. He's like, I yeah. don't think he's, you know, he has he, great ideas, but he's lacks as exactly. a writer. Exactly. I'm also, and, I'm also so it's interesting. Gonna, yeah. I, I, I'm going to say something very controversial. Mm-hmm. In my humble opinion, the reason that the books are the books and the movies are the movies is because when you read a book, you can create your own horror. You can create your own imagination. In a movie, they have to show it to you. Mm-hmm. And that's contrary to things I believe in because I think Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter stick to the damn book because they're incredible. You need to stick to them and they're exactly, wonderful. Yeah. And every time they deviate, I was like, mother... Except for getting rid of Tom Bombadil. Anyway. Yeah, that's a big one. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> My point of this is Stanley Kubrick took the idea that Stephen King created and if I wanted the exact word-for-word book... I'll read the book. I don't need the yeah. I don't need the movie. This movie took the spirit of the book in my opinion mm-hmm. and really transformed it into something that visually mm-hmm. was probably the most unique horror experience I've mm-hmm. ever had because yeah. I wasn't scared but I was terrified. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The yeah. whole yeah. time I'm on the edge of my seat waiting for shit to hit the fan. I know it's sometimes it does fan. and sometimes it doesn't right. though. I right? really I really uh, sorry. Go keep no, going. no, no. I, was like, I really enjoy that when stories don't follow I mean when movies don't follow the stories the books. Mm-hmm. 
Like, I mean, there's a reason why the book is amazing, and it's like the movie needs to have its own identity. Mm-hmm. If if it's too uh, the same, then like you said, I'll just read the book. Then like right. it's, it's too it's a, too exact. Which which and and that's hard for me to say because you know, like I said, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, you have such brilliant source material that you've created a world. You need it for continuity. You don't need it for continuity. There's no universe creator on The <laughs> Shining at the time. <laughs> so you don't, you know what I mean? You don't yeah. need, you don't need to stick with everything. So one thing that Stephen King was really upset about, and it wasn't until, I, so I did the little bit of reading research, researching, yeah. like we all do, IMDb, fun facts or whatever. Um, it wasn't until I was watching it last night that I really caught on to this. And actually I caught on to it before I read about it in, you know, the IMD facts. And it's that, Stephen King, in, in the book, Jack goes crazy at the Overlook, right? Where here, there's so much that he's already crazy. The he Overlook just brings it out. He just brings it out, right? And, and I think in a lot of ways, it's almost like that thing with, with alcoholics or, or not alcoholics. I take that back. Well, no, he, but, he was but with, well, no, but, 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 but what I mean to say is, is alcohol just in general is that, you know, so much is being said now. Everybody used to say, oh, alcohol just brings out a different person where no, they say alcohol brings out kind of who you, you really, yeah, your inner right. you, your yeah, true you. you. And so I think that we see that a little bit more with the movie version is that He's always been insane. He's always been crazy. Maybe it's because he's a reincarnated ghost or who knows. And we can talk about the ending for sure. There's a lot of things to but, it right there. Yeah. But he's, he, it's obvious that the guy is just insane. And I do credit that with brilliant casting. I mean, Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson is the perfect casting choice, I think, because I mean, you just look at him and you just feel uncomfortable. Yeah. During that, uh, that first part of the, uh, the interview, mm-hmm. you know, you just felt like something was just not right. You know, yeah. like, it almost felt like he was signing his soul. I'm, I'm, you're, I'm going to overtake this hotel right here, signing this contract, literally selling his soul to the devil right there. Right. Well, I know that one of the theories is that the Overlook is hell, and yeah. that would mean that Ullman is in a lot of ways the devil. And so when he is signing away, he is kind of literally signing away. And the his question, soul the question that it. I had, and, and this is fun because I got to rewatch it, kind of close to when I watched it the first time. Yeah. And I had done all this reading and done all this stuff. I got the idea that, and, and this is me making stuff up in my own head. What if they never left the apartment? What if he killed them in the apartment? That's an and interesting And he's created theory. this. He's he, this is his life to live over and over and over again of him stuck alone with the people that he hates. Like Grady ugh. said it too. Like when he was like, you know, you were the caretaker. You, you've always you've been always been a caretaker because I've always been here. You know, which is interesting because he's just, the care he was the caretaker before. Who went crazy? Killed. I Ray. don't know if that's him because so, because in the beginning of the movie, the the uh, the interviewer says it was Charles Grady. Mm-hmm. The guy in the bathroom was a different Grady. Interesting. Yeah, that was just the the character. That was a different. Could have been the caretaker's dad. Something like that. But I'm just saying, like this caretaker thing is just this. So that it's happened. almost like he's reliving yeah. generation after yeah. generation yes. the same hell that he's he's, in, oh, he's like been stuck in. Yeah. 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 So is that Grady? Um, that first story, if the, I guess you can say the the, 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 daughter, the killer, daughter killing, yeah. and uh, is that supposed to take place in the seventies? It said like eleven years. Yeah. So basically, when like late sixties or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So eleven years would have been. This was nineteen eighty. Right, and the book was and written I in think, the seventies. I think it was I think. set. I think it was yeah. set in the eighties. Like yeah. I think that was yeah. it was real time for sure. So we're talking about sixty nine. 68, 69. 68, yeah. 69 with yeah. maybe like yeah. So yeah. So, yeah. but I mean, it was, I was like, I was hoping that I was just trying to flip the story. So it, was, it took, your mind went to different places with this movie. It's just like, I was, for some reason, I was thinking also like, Jack, he's just a serial killer. 
and he was actually the first caretaker of Grady. He is Grady also, and he killed his first family, and then he came and he, he came back. He actually he said he shot himself, his face in the cell, but maybe it could have been someone else. Or like, it could be, if we're going to go on the more metaphysical level, then maybe it is kind of that recurring hell just with a different family, which if you've seen the movie, I know, Jeremiah, you've seen it, Mother. Um, I actually no, I have not. You have actually, not. Well, okay, no. it, it, I, I, it's a trip. Yeah, it's to fuck movie. the trip of a fuck. Um, so I, I don't want to spoil this movie, though. I don't want to spoil it? it. But to me, I feel like there's a lot of of comparison between what happens at the end of Mother and what happens maybe with this theory that it's this reliving in a different form of the same person, the same situation where you know it's this recurring hell. It's this maybe even um, well. Could something you think else. of a more torturous situation than being? literally stuck somewhere isolation and you can't like you have this dream of writing this novel right you're 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 trying so hard to do it and literally the words won't come mm-hmm. and they're never gonna come and the, no matter yeah. how many times you write it's the same beyond sentence, purgatory right there yeah. it's not coming yeah. out mm-hmm. and you're stuck and it drives you so insane that you kill the things you love the most or hate the most depending on how you want to look at it mm-hmm. that to me, it's pur- it's a it's a it feels purgatory. It feels like purgatory. It does. Yeah. It's one hundred percent purgatorial, and I think that there is so much. You go online and you can go re- run through all the different theories. Um, I, I totally recommend watching the, the documentary, documentary yeah. Room Two Three Seven. See, and I look at that, and I, not to get biblical, but I look at that as forbidden fruit. Right, it's the garden. You're, it's. I mean, you. There's a lot of biblical references. One hundred percent. But it's like, okay, yeah. you know, don't go in here. Don't do this. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. Well, and look that's at really Danny. When the, that's Danny's the fall the, of man, right? Which is interesting because Danny's really the first one who crosses that boundary. Uh, Halloran tells him not to go in two, three, seven. And what does he do when he sees it? He goes up and he turns the doorknob, and he's not allowed to do it the first time. And then it's gifted to him the second time. And that, that if, there, the if there's anything else Edenic in the world, I mean, then or in stories, that's it. I know it's it's um, it's, it's kind of, and I love biblical references because to me, oh, the yeah. Bible is it's powerful in the stories, and they're so universal. It establishes and drives so, so yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. Eddie, you're talking about the sequel, which is, which is called Doctor Sleep. I have not seen that. Have you seen it? I've not seen it either. I have not. I'm seen not gonna it. lie. I think it's a fantastic sequel to The Shining because it actually shows Danny as an older. older he goes back. He goes. No. He, he goes back. You and McGregor. I didn't think he got ripped apart. I think he actually. He got, goes. So he goes it, back. He no. He. It shows him how he's dealing with his old his whole situation from the past and how he's dealing with The Shining. Does Tony is Tony there? Like is he in the book? If people don't know, it's actually Tony. It's actually him in the future, actually. Yes. Which, if you watch yeah. the miniseries, it jumps into yeah. his high school graduation, and you see the ghost of his dad there. Yeah. Um, so, which is just see, and Stephen it, King wrote a ghost story, it. which is fine and wonderful. Stanley Kubrick turned it into a human. It's a psycho, a psychological thriller. And there's nothing more terrifying than the devolution of man. Like having a man or a woman, just mankind, lose control and go back to the base instincts. So then that's terrifying. Think, so I think there was a lot more going on at this hotel than obviously was it Ullman mm-hmm. uh, was obviously letting on. He was said, "Oh, eleven years ago there was a killing. Mm-hmm. I can't believe that was that happened here." Mm-hmm. Two thirty-seven. Did that happen the same? Is that that? No, it's a that, different. It's a different, a different killing, right? That's yeah, it's a, a different, different time. Room. And also, I'm thinking, it's something happened in the twenties. Well, that's that's when the picture was taken. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's that's why that's like he's heyday. reliving. Yeah, yeah. I feel like something happened there because. Also, uh, the whole hotel, I mean, the whole uh, elevator with the blood coming out, 
It's just like a lot of death happens in this hotel. Well, you, because overall, it's built on the burial in uh, burial in grounds, uh, which is so which is so Stephen King. And you have yeah. like different reference actually talking about that. You know, just different signs of like you know Native American like you know like uh, you know, windows, windows, and and pictures and. And things like that. I'll tell you two things about that, what you're talking about. One, I'll let you know, you to know Dr. Sleep is a fantastic fucking film. Watch it if you get a chance. Two, the uh, interviewer, Allman, there is a deleted scene of the ending where you see he goes into um, Wendy and the son and let him know, hey, Jack is disappearing. You know, we haven't found your husband and whatnot. And then as he leaves, he looks out over Danny and hands him the tennis ball and kind of sm- smiles at him and walks away, saying that he might have been actually brought into bringing Jack into the you know the whole like hotel because he's now he's stuck forever and whatnot. For reason, yeah. However, Krubeck just deleted that whole scene and it doesn't even exist anymore. That would have been, been cool. So I, I listened to this uh, podcast on serial killers and there's people and I, it's creepy. Icebreaker right there, guys. <laughs> I'm obsessed, okay? It's weird. It's, but, like, they, it's like they trap souls in that hotel. Well, that, that's what I was just going to say is that there's houses that like people have built there was a murder house in Los Angeles, I think it was, one of them. It was on American Horror Story, where the mm-hmm. guy actually built a house to murder people, built a hotel to murder people, and had, like, back chutes and back doors and back... Th- it's almost like this hotel is the entity that's consuming, like, bad people. Like, it's drawing them in and then turning them into their worst people. You know, You're right. Worst yeah. selves. Well, I mean, so I'm going to call out a book that Martin Scorsese is... Thank God fully turning into a movie, and it's his next movie after the one he's doing now. But it's um, Devil in the White City, which is based on true event, what happened in Chicago. And it was during the 1893 World Fair, I think. Ooh, that's my favorite song. And um, DiCaprio supposed to be starring He's it? supposed to be starring in it, and I think he's the killer, I think. Oh, oh, but it's, it's a true story about somebody who created uh, this, basically, hotel and would trap and kill and torture people and and that's and he was a normal guy on the outside and and it's so interesting and it goes along with kind of the american uh, horror story but also goes along with this idea that yeah you have these things that create such negative and bad juju i guess if you want to call well, it anything i, I mean I, I don't i i don't believe in ghosts necessarily um i do i know but like everyone asks me if this house is haunted, right? The Which house, house? The house that we're in right now. Right? This house? I mean, obviously, yeah. look at it. This house. I'm sitting on this chair. Who oh, knows if chair. it's actually me? Mm-hmm. And I've I've been in I houses with like there. pressure and presence and you, it feels different. This house does not have any of that. It's very it's very calm and very nice. I, I this house speaks sometimes late at night or as I recall sounds yeah. jeremy was uh a yeah. roommate here. I, I remember like you know you would just hear sounds like let's hear it from the other side like that and you're just like oh god i'm just gonna put my bag in front of the front door because <laughs> yeah. they can still go through those are just old house sounds yeah uh, okay. <laughs> that's what he says he doesn't make me feel my point of this is, yeah. is to say that i think that there are places that have bad juju that have like this mm-hmm. this this feeling about them. And I think there's a bad vibe. And that really came out in this film. Like that really, it really gave you the idea that this hotel was haunted with memories, not necessarily with ghosts. You know what I mean? So that's, that kind of gets me to my question. I want to ask you guys, and I was struggling with this as I was watching it last night. And it's this question of, is this hotel actually haunted or is it all in Jack's mind? And then part two of that it is, can't be an only how mind. can, yeah, and that's the thing. So part two, why does Wendy start seeing things at the end of the movie? Like, why finally, hasn't she finally because seen Because she finally it? sees it. So I don't think she does. 
I don't think Wendy ever sees anything. I think she's paranoid because she sees people. She sees her son and her husband deteriorating rapidly. And she starts. She stops when she sees, you know, the infamous dog bear scene, which if you want to look it up, go, go, you Google it or whatever. But when she sees there, there's, there's literally a, there's a, a response. She gives a response. But don't you think she's imagining it? Don't you? I mean, no, Uh, I feel like she sees it because a, a flip, the switch has been flipped. You yeah, like it's almost kind of like the whole like you know it's now you see it, you know the the, like the, the visor has been lifted. Yeah, lifted my question is like why? That. So so in that case, think, part one question is yes, there are ghosts. It's not just Jack's mind breaking down. But why does she? Why, why is she seeing it now? That's my biggest question. I think also you think uh, for me is they were all going a little crazy. And yeah. ju- I mean, but she was handling it different. She was you can tell as soon as she got on the the intercom, she was so happy to talk to somebody who gave her attention with the other that's tie. A really good point. Like yeah. that was so like, she was like, she was like, she was talking about stuff that's like, so it's really cold outside. I don't I mean, like she was dying, she was for, like, dying for someone to talk to. Really so point, what's though, really, no? f- and big back of what you said, they're alone. They are alone at this hotel, but they're also individually alone from each other because they don't communicate yeah. together. Like, the, they, yeah, it was not a good they recipe because a good for the very, yeah, to, they, she went in there hoping to reconnect with, you know, Jack and no, never it never, the never an option at all. She was alone for, as soon but, as they shut the door. She was alone. I'll, I'll answer to you guys' question of why she finally sees it at the end. It's not because she finally sees it. Now I'm thinking about it. It's because the hotel finally wants her to see it because the hotel wants to prevent her to actually not stop her husband to kill the son. That's the whole point of the whole situation. They, they, the hotel wants the husband no, to no, kill I the son. I think that does the, the hotel, ho- okay, does the hotel want Danny or does the hotel thing. want Jack? I think it wants Jack. But the thing about when you watch part two, the shining ability is something that it's very present for those type of people. If you don't know, he actually leaves the hotel, right? And whatnot. That ghost still follows him. The, the oh. person in the in the shower follows mm. Danny until he learns how to actually challenge it. Kind of like an Obi Wan Kenobi. God because dang it, spoiling the movie because I'm watching it this Halloween. Sweet, do that. But I'm just saying that <laughs> it's because the hotel wanted to prevent her to not, you know, save her son. That's the reason why. The hotel is trying to capture her too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like the idea. So of it's that. almost like a haunted mansion from Disneyland. It's like we want to have as many you as many souls or as many ghosts <laughs> as possible. Nine hundred and ninety-nine. Think of it. Thinking of it that way makes more There's sense. There's always room movie. for mm-hmm. one. Like, yeah. Because I mean, that, the lead scene that Jeremy was talking about, like, oh, the the main uh, manager was going to give a ball to Danny. Like that would have made so much more. But I'm kind of glad it never went like that yeah, because yeah, I yeah, just leave me, leave me your questions. As, as I was going to say so. in the end of my summary is like the unknown is more scarier than just actually having like an Indian. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna throw another little bomb at this. Okay, <laughs> so there's a point where Jack uh, asks or basically says that he would sell his soul for a drink, and then right then soul the bartender the hotel up. was right there. So the question is, does this hotel does this place actually give you your deepest darkest desire was jack searching for a story to write well it's interesting in the book and then the miniseries because i like i said haven't read the book but i've seen the miniseries which stephen king wrote he is he turns his attention to telling the story of the hotel so he 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 actually the whole all work and no play makes jack a dull boy which i do want to talk about that because that to me is one of the freakiest moments in the whole movie but he finds his story in the hotel. Like the hotel is his story. He he starts to retell the story of the hotel. 
and then kind of get subs- or consumed into that as a, as a playing character, I think. And if you watch that scene where he's typing in and Wendy comes in and goes, hi, hon, you know, and he inter- she interrupts him, you see this book of like newspaper clippings of the book. So he's uh, been researching. He's been researching. Himself. That's why he sees great. He's like, didn't I read you in the papers or something like that? Because he's oh, been reading about it. And I'll tell you this much. If you watch that scene, I'm talking about labyrinth type of scenes and whatnot. If you watch that scene closely in the background, you see the chairs and the tables disappear every scene when they're talking back and forth. It's a mind fuck of a oh, movie. Continuity, yeah. And with and with Kubrick, but that's intentional. Intentional. But, uh, yeah, it's like Scorsese. Like Hannah was like right? saying, like that might have been like a mistake. I'm like, maybe. Scorsese, but not, no, but not Kubrick. Does, Kubrick, Kubrick doesn't, doesn't make mistakes. Make mistakes. He, you know, it's kind of like there's there's yeah. a couple of hand, a handful of, of, of directors I think you could say if there's an issue. And I remember we talked about this a long time ago when we talked about um, Scorsese. Oh god dang it! I love this movie so much. Um, Shutter Island. Oh yeah. Right. Is the continuity? Oh, yeah. And that's what Kubrick does. I think there's three directors that come to mind: Scorsese, Kubrick. And um, uh, Fincher, 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 right? Is that they they do so many takes? There's no way that anything is is accidental. No way, exactly. Well, which is why I think so, there's so many theories about think, what this. I think is his going name on. was Bob Gale, uh, and he did the, a lot of Kubrick sets. Mm-hmm. And I think he did, and I might have the name wrong because he did a bunch of James Bond sets as well. And he said in an interview on the, one of the James Bond movies is that uh, the, he had Kubrick would hire people to look at two items. That was their job. Like this, this glass that I'm drinking out of right now would be their job to make sure it every take got put back in the exact same place nice. that it yep. started or whatever it was. Like that was so your, your whole job was like glass exactly. tender number four. Like, like so, when you watch that scene, I'm like, man, Krubeck is totally fucking with you right now. Which is, is the whole, uh, you know, they redesigned the hotel is constantly shifting and moving, which we see in the tricycle again. Room 237 is one of the greatest weird documentaries ever. I have a question, too. So, as a writer, Brandon, uh-huh. do you... Thank you. I'm I don't know where this is, I don't know where this is going here. I've never been an expert on writing, but yes. So you're, yes, you are. Oh, thank you, sir. He's got three books, people. Know, he has more than three books, I think. Yeah. Just three right now. Amazon, yeah, he has more. It. I know this it's good more. stuff. Thank you. Um, and he has, he has a movie lined up, too, guys. Oh, God. Um, so, also, I just want you to know... I, I want to ask this question. For, if you have a writer's block, do you write over the same sentence a couple times to, to, to break it? Is that something to do or is that just something? I don't. And, and the reason why is, is I've tried that. So I've had writer's block a couple times. Um, I think early on I tried to do the just push through it, just kind of like just write anything. rewrite the same scene over in a different way. Uh, and it just gets you nowhere. Like the only way, and, and so little writers out there in the world, this is just my thought. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. The only way to, to break with writer's block is to literally get away from writing and do something completely different, which is interesting because that's what he doesn't do, right? He locks himself in that room. He yells at anybody who comes close to him. Like the best way to break that writer's block would have been to go out and play with his family. Play go with his family. And, yeah. Go out and into the outside and walk yeah. around. Um, I, I read something in, in one of the facts is that, that Jack has never seen outside, outside except for the, the maze where he dies. Too late. Too, right? Too, too late, late. yeah. Um, so, no, as a writer, writer's block is a real thing. But, yeah, the idea of just constantly writing over it and over it and hoping that's going to unlock itself definitely has not ever worked, in my opinion. Now, I do know other writers who, who have done something like that. Like, and they're like able typing to, the same sentence a couple times. Yeah, like yeah. One, one thing that I talked about with a couple of writers is that what they'll do is they'll take their favorite short story or novel and they'll literally copy it word for word for the first Find chapter. Forest or? Yeah, it's like, okay, I love The Great Gatsby, so I'm going to write chapter one of The Great Gatsby word for word, looking at the book and then typing, looking at the book and typing as a way to kind of break free some of those thoughts. 
But um, so here, you here's, see him here, not here's, able to do here's that. Here's my question with writer's block, and this is something that, you know, just, just a basic question. Mm-hmm. Do you get stuck? Do most people get stuck on the formulation of sentences or the formulation of story? Story. Story. 100% yeah, I story. That. I believe that. But as you're watching this film, you see Jack playing with a tennis ball. Yeah. Like, you know, he's like distracted or something like that. Like he's doing everything opposite than what he's supposed to be doing. Which, and then we have that weird, not weird, it's creepy as hell scene where Danny goes, or watching, Wendy and Danny are watching TV and he's like, oh, can I go get my toy truck or whatever it was? Creepy. And he comes he in goes and upstairs to Jack is just fucking sitting he's on the edge of the bed. Yeah. And then he, he comes in and sits on his on Jack's lap and he says something like, I love it here. I wish we would never leave. And it's almost like he's prolonging it. Almost like if he finishes that story, then his part in that place will end. Pretty much saying exactly the same thing with those two twins are saying. Those two creepy fucking yeah, twins. Like, stay us. here Always forever. Ever. Which means I'm going to constantly be working on this because it's my, it's my tie to this place. And if I finish it, then I have to leave. So what am I going to do? I'm going to create writer's block. Or I'm going to create... Point create diversion from writing throwing the tennis ball or um like that one god creepy scene where he's just staring right because the, the, the kubrick outside. stare and he's just staring and he's not moving and it's it's like when he's sitting on the edge of the bed but he's also doing he's doing it in that writing room i mean literally just who knows what he actually wrote in that one page maybe it was all work and no play makes jack a dull, dull boy he when he rips she, it up it's almost like he's like, saying oh, i'm me. i'm not gonna finish this because if i finish it then i have to leave and god damn it i don't want to leave yeah i think well, you know what you're talking about earlier about um the hidden messages regarding to Kubrick and everything like that that scene where he, they're watching television where that TV is just on and there's no plug in or anything like that which is yes. kind of weird yes but you know this has a lot to do with like the holocaust and everything of like hidden messages and that movie is called the summer of 42 which is pretty fucking like wow he's like throwing these hidden messages or something like that the typewriter that he has it's like these, Eagle. Yeah, Eagle. So which is the, the Nazi symbol. There's all these yeah. different references that he's actually showing here, uh, even like you know with the Native like Americans, that, like that juju. And, you know, or the Apollo, or the 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 Apollo 13 right there, or yeah, the Apollo 11. The, you the know? Apollo 11 kids, with the kids. Uh, Again, so. watch Room 237. If you guys it's, haven't watched, it, have you seen the? I've seen it. Is it a yeah. movie or a documentary? It's, it's a, a documentary. documentary. It's like an hour long. It's so worth it because it's up. You'll appreciate the hell out of The Shining and then want to rewatch The Shining. After you see it, that's actually one of the reasons I picked this movie when we were going through the 80s is because I had seen Room 237 maybe two years ago. And I kept saying, oh, I want to watch The Shining again to look at some of these things. That, so briefly that the describe 237 is multiple de- deaths. Okay, room. so so the documentary is Room 237, but it's only talking about one of the theories. Basically, it's a, it's a documentary that breaks down multiple theories, including the Holocaust, including the Native American genocide. Um, and But the big one, which I think is probably the first one, was that... Kubrick was actually part of the staging of the Apollo 11 moon landing. That this is again taking the the theory that the theory, yeah. that we never actually landed on the moon, but it was yeah. all staged and filmed to make it look like we landed on the moon, um, and that Kubrick was actually the one who directed the moon landing. And one of the theories is that well, the book had it as room 217. They moved it to 237. Well, the moon, according to 1980s lore, the moon was 237,000 miles or 237 million miles, 237,000 miles away from from planet Earth, which means why change it to 237? I guess they re-looked at it and it's 239. 
Supposedly, but the also, other thing, yeah, go the, the the carpet is in the same pattern as the launch pad in Cape Canaveral. Canaveral. Yeah. Uh, and then if you watch that scene where he's going to two three seven, right, going to the moon, that he's wearing an Apollo eleven sweater, which is just kind of weird. Why he's wearing a two thirty seven because or Apollo eleven because that would have been you know almost fifteen years earlier. So the thought is that this is this is Kubrick, basically. Admitting to, or he's just this. fucking with audience, or he's just fucking with audience. Oh, absolutely, and this, <laughs> which is, is something he absolutely. I'm pretty oh, sure, <laughs> like he, he knew exactly what oh, he was doing. Oh, for sure, dude. but man, it is so interesting and so fascinating. Just Either how way, it was deep, intentional, <laughs> right? How deep this movie goes into so many different theories, and it's almost like you got to give Kubrick props, whether you like him or you hate him as a director. And to be honest, I'm I'm on the more I don't like him as director. I've seen a bunch of his movies, and I'm not a huge Kubrick fan, but. For him to look at it and say, "Okay, well, how can I how can I mess with people? How can I mess with the viewer?" And to think these things out, I mean, it's brilliant. Now, granted, like the, the Apollo Eleven, like it, it was theorized at the time that in conspiracies that he was the one who staged the the moon landing, and that two thousand one, a space space odyssey, was him practicing with different oh techniques. My God. Uh, as far as how to film the moon landing and things like that, and again, it's far out for sure. But at the same time. For him to put together all these things in one movie, it's it's fascinating how much is in there. He's done great movies. You know, honestly, you know, it's <laughs> so funny. Like movies. Sean and I last year, we were trying to watch 2001: Space wow. Odyssey. It's a tough one, and we got maybe 40 minutes in, and we both looked at each other and was like. Let's just watch something else. Yeah, 40 right. minutes in, did you guys even get past the light sound show? We we we, 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 went, we got to uh, <laughs> we got to the space station. Yeah. Oh, so he's just walking the treadmill in a circle. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, but it's, remember the first ten minutes. You know, it's no, there's no sound. There's oh, nothing. No. It's just black. And uh, I look at Sean's like, man, this is Krupak just fucking with us. Yeah, he's literally fucking you guys didn't with get, the people. You guys didn't get to the space child. No, no I know. I, I, I don't think I can so handle that. I movie, can man. tell you right now, I lasted all two hours, and I think it's twenty-seven minutes or so. I lasted it. And I hated every two, every minute of those two hours. I will hours finish that movie because that's one of the five I have left on the AFI list. Oh, God. The <laughs> ending. And I know let's, that it's brilliant, but fuck it. Let's talk about the Overlook Hotel because if you ever noticed in the beginning of the movie that um, you see kind of the aerial view of it, you know, of the hotel, but you do not see the maze next to it, which is kind of fucking crazy. Again, it has this whole labyrinth vibe to it, man, because that, that, that maze is the not there. Maze. It's almost it's like, yeah, it's almost like the. The hotel is the maze, and that the maze outside the hotel is or just is kind the of maze. The mind, <laughs> and it's almost like the hotel is the I maze. I would say that, but but Omen, I, I don't know. Omen or Omen, Omen they yeah. did go past it, saying, "Oh, this is a great attraction to see." This when uh, they were walking, you saw the little maze, and that's the first time I actually. I was like, "That's the maze." Like it's almost like a like a shit. Like don't like, and instantly the. The mom and the son went in there just to play. Yeah. But you could see at the same time, it was weird how they were in there and Jack was looking on the, he was looking at like a table like this size mm-hmm. and it was a picture of the maze. And he's watching And, and he's watching them move. That was so such a cool fucking so, shot, like, It was like, what? like, it was so many different areas you could take that with. Mm-hmm. Um, Dude, okay, so let's talk, I, I, we have, sh- we're running short on time. I want to talk about three things before we, and we could talk about other things, but yeah. um, I want to talk about Wendy as a character and the fact that I think that she was like having, like she had battered wife syndrome where she was 
she was triumphing it's, by the end of the movie. She was trying to escape. She was triumphing over, over Jack. The second thing is I want to talk about Scatman Carruthers and his little uh, character kind of coming back and trying to save. He was on vacay, man. I felt so bad for him. Right. And then the third is I want to just talk about Jack's losing it. Uh, just that whole process of, of chasing down. the. You people. know, for the longest time, I didn't really care for Shelly Duvall's like performance on that. But when you watch it, you kind of have a little more respect, especially from my understanding of what the shit she went through to actually make that film. I mean, if you watch like the behind the scenes, you actually see Kubrick just fucking just like, don't sympathize her or something like that. Just making this whole environment just horrible for her. You know, intentionally have her do a hundred different takes of the same thing, just so that she would by the end of it be exhausted so that she could fully encapsulate. She looked exhausted. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, looking at her though, she played a great, I don't know if it was how she was supposed to play, but like, I could see how Jack was annoyed at her just by talking. Well, she's, like, she's so passive. And I think that's kind of Sean, what you're saying. It, and it bothers me. It bothers she's me passive so much because I think she's abused. Yes. Mentally, thousand percent. Physically. Yes. Like I think she is beaten. We see that the best. I think when she brings him breakfast in bed. And she's like, I made it just like you like it, sunny side up. And I mean, it's like she's trying so hard to please her husband that obviously, yeah, she's lost any kind of autonomy to herself, which I mean, that, 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 there's, that works on so many different levels. But I think with the problem with King and why he did not like Shelley Duvall's character, because I guess in the book, you know, she's not, you know, this dance ball in distress type of character. She's like this big type of mother that takes care of her child and everything like that, you know, and just completely opposite of what you have on the book. But my thing is, and I'm, I don't agree with it because like, I think Shelley Duvall, I don't think a lot of actresses can actually do what she did in that movie. No, no. Yeah. Agreed. Um, uh, what was, what was her? Yeah. Ahead. So point, uh, second Question thing two. was Scatman Crothers, which was, uh, he's a great actor. Honestly, you see him in another great movie from I think the 1970s. <laughs> we also uh, have Jack all, Nicholson. All all Action Nicholson actually yeah. got him into this movie, by the way. Uh, I, and honestly, I thought he did such a great job. Like the, it's so small and it's really his only scene. Well, it's, in, but when he's going through destroys the whole, most the of the kitchen. theories, right? Yeah. Is that he's got the shining? Just he then connects he with somebody else and comes back yes. and yeah, he's, he's he left. He's like the tether, which is interesting because a lot of people I guess are arguing, well if he's got the shining, he knows what's going to happen, then he knew that he was going to come back to get killed. Well, the shining I don't think is like premonitions. I don't know if it is I, or it's isn't. Like I think it's a connection. If anything, we can look at it, yes. it, it from some this people have different abilities with the shining which is yeah which is more more explored probably in dr sleep but but the thing is okay but the thing with 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 uh halloran's character is that he comes back knowing he's gonna die because he his whole goal is to do one thing to get danny out safely perfectly does he do that yes he does he does sacrifices himself he goes in knowing he's gonna be killed as soon as he walks in and that when he's gonna see him and that's gonna cause this chain reaction i mean god dang it you look at it and go so the other side of that is if if they left that deleted scene in where the guy gives him the ball, the tennis ball, mm-hmm. then you have to ask a whole nother set oh, of questions, set. which is, was the hotel compelling him to get Danny out so that the hotel can continue the cycle of people coming back and becoming feeding feeding the hotel feeding the souls feeding the yeah feeding this and what does he do? They get rid of the two characters with or the two people with the shining. They kill off. 
um, Halloran, and they get rid of Tan- Danny by just saying, go so, away. And there's my second, there's my second line of mm-hmm. questioning or thought that I kind of came to at the end of watching it is, what if Jack was trying to stop the cycle? By killing Danny? By killing the person with The Shining. And that question raises a whole nother slew of questions. I, and I don't want to suggest yeah. Jack's the hero, but what if the hotel... <clears throat> Or not the hotel, but whatever, whatever. What if Jack's purpose of the of the story is to end the cycle, not to perpetuate it? And but in so he doing, failed. he perpetuates it. Yes. Yeah. Just an um, interesting mind. It's, it's just an interesting. There's this circle. whole movie, and I think that's an interesting. <laughs> I, know, I, know, it, I know. I know. I know. Now I'm thinking about like, fuck. It is that. <laughs> what the hell did I just watch? <laughs> It is that labyrinth where I think you can watch this movie literally 55 times and not come do to the you, same conclusion in any of them. Yeah, do you right. think Allman and I think it's Watson, who's like the assistant of Barry Nelson, mm. do you think they knew more of what happened there and they just never told? Yes. I think if you watch the assistant, the, you, you see need, the assistant's eyes. Is like like he's, he's very like, you know, just like just on the edge. Why else would he be there? And I feel like I don't know if he was a caretaker or if he knew, but you have the sense he like he like wanted he, to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, he you know? wanted to get the fuck out of there. Like, uh, yeah, I just it, the whole story makes you think this isn't about a like this isn't about a hotel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not. There's not this. It's not yeah. just a guy going crazy at a hotel. It's Even not, like if you story. see him walking right and you see the lights right and you see this ray of lights and I know they had put these thousand watts of lights. Make it look like it's just like this ice vibe of of of, of location where they're at. Visually, everything that you see is just unbelievable. How it's just shot and how it's just made, and it's just the vibe. And the ending is fantastic, especially when you know the climax is going to be going, and that he's got the axe, and you see Tony or you see Danny just feeling like you know being exercised as Tony, you know, like red rum, red rum. I mean, you knew that's going to hit the point where okay, the shit's going to hit the fan right there. So is he? So he's already has the shiny, but is that on something on top of the shiny that he's just dealing with that he created because of Jack for the whole abusiveness, or is this something he already, he's already had outside of that? That's that, that's where the, the that, movie offers no answers. It's like, know, is yeah. there something supernatural, or is I this? I wish they would have had something. That you see, I, this, I, is this Danny? I think it would have ruined it if they had something. So one of the uh, and I, I I I am a huge closure fan, and I love when things are tied up. Just talked about two weeks ago with the other movie didn't have enough. I understand. I totally understand. But part of the greatness of film and why film is so much different than novels mm-hmm. is that with film, as soon as the villain or as soon as the monster is revealed, it loses its power. In this particular movie, it never lost its power because it was never revealed. And so you have this lingering, like, what did I watch? Is it following you home? Is it going to follow me home from the theater? Like, it sticks with you. And that last shot, what I put here, that last shot is so creepy because it, it just, there's no answers to who is that character that looks exactly like Jack. Is it Jack? What's going on in 1921? Why is he front and center? Did he what kill a bunch of people happened? then? Like, yeah. Did he like, like, establish himself then and he came back no as a idea. reincarnated person? Yeah, we have no idea. Like, is the hotel haunted? Is this in his head? Is this in, in Danny's head? Did they get out of the their apartment? I mean, there's so many questions and there's literally not a single answer. And I just Kinda think like for the first time that it works so well. It does. And, you know? And I'm, a, I'm anti that. Mm-hmm. I'm anti that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, you are. Interesting. It works now for this, but it didn't work last time for the other. Well, it didn't movies. work for Halloween because what the fuck? He got killed seven times and he got up and ran away. Okay, yeah. I like how you you play there. So I'm also thinking though, 
do you think <laughs> do you think Jack abused uh, Danny in that room that when Danny came out with sucking his thumb, or was it something else? Does I that, think it was something else. But I, I think, think was, that it could be read as it, just, it, uh, it Jack could be was read. asleep. I'll tell you this much: there's there's evidence of like him that he's not done this once because the mom said that you know. Uh, three months ago, he did this to Danny and whatnot. And then when he talks to fucking Lloyd, the bartender, you know, he says, I never let a finger on him. Uh, okay, I did, but that was three goddamn years ago, you know? So there's evidence that he's actually not, this is, that wasn't his first time. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like a, a, moment, a momentary loss of muscle coordination. And I'm not going to, <laughs> okay. I'm not going to blame alcoholism, but the fact that he's a recovering alcoholic. He could be bipolar. He could have black salad. I mean, there's a whole nother like realm of this. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just, I think I, I, we could talk about this movie for 10 hours. I mean, that's yeah, just I, the reality. I do feel like he's a little bit bipolar because you see two sides of him sometimes. And then the other side is like pretty much dying off the good side of him. That's whatever's left. And the other side's popping out. I don't know if he ever have ever had the shiny ability or something like that, but whatever it was like the hotel wanted it and he wanted to actually, you know, take Jack into the hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. Goodness gracious. Now, that brings us to the NRL review. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> He's talking that to brings us to the NRL review. Now, it's time of the podcast where each of the hosts provides his score on the following scale. Eddie, can you please provide that scale, please? Yes, zero, the perfect movie. You don't need shit to enjoy it. One, a Phil Gerd first cocktail. Two, a happy buzz. Three, an Uber or lifting home. Four, a rough morning walk of shame. Five, blackout, shit face, spring break drunk. All right, gentlemen. Let's start with. It starts with Jay. I like how you switched it up on me. Oh, uh, Jeremiah. <laughs> For me, The Shining is one of the best horror films ever made and maybe the best period. No other horror film I could think can bury itself so deep into your thoughts. I mean, the tension of it, the atmosphere of it, it's so thick. It cuts to the core. And the movie can't be solved after watching it over and over. I mean, the picture is stunning. The acting is nothing but short of amazing. And this is one of the few movies that is actually better than the novel. I believe this showcase on why Krubeck is one of the best directors of all time. And the film always just has this haunting vibe for me. I mean, the photo of Jack in the ballroom, I mean, it's like damnation forever. Like, it's looking back at you, and there's no answer here, and that just scares the shit out of me. It's like, that's the unknown. And for me, that's more scary than anything. So this is a point five for me, guys. I think this movie is just legendary. You don't have any answers in this film. And to me... That scares me more than anything, any horror movie out there. Yeah, Eddie, what you got, bud? Uh, there's so much to this movie. Uh, even this room 237, I feel like that's a, a room of portal from hell. You know, like <laughs> it's uh, it's this it's a movie that there's so many different layers, and there's many different layers of this movie. That I feel like every time I watch it, I find something else in this movie. When Brandon selected this movie, I was almost uh, thinking in my head, like, we're not going to have enough time to talk about this movie. So I'm almost like, uh, depressed even watching this. And then my head is like, crap, now I have to watch this on one of my nights alone. Most of the time, since I know my wife's not going to watch it with me because this is too scary for her. And can't watch it with my kids, even though I tried feeding one of my kids. <laughs> and this background music was there. Bom, bom, yeah. bom, we didn't even bom. talk about the twins and the, the, the flitching. Like, I, this is 10, we can spend 10 hours yeah. on this movie. This is Jeez. an hour podcast. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, this movie off obviously holds down. It stays true to the name. It stays true to just the vibe. Uh, the, the music alone should deserve an Oscar, uh, many awards. I'm surprised nothing ever happened here. I actually got Razzie awards when it first came yeah. out. 
Um, Critics. I still, it's hard to give this movie a, a score um, that I want to, I feel like I just need to watch it again. <laughs> like, because I didn't give enough justice watching it the first time when I was already buzzed. This movie I, I love. I will watch it again. Definitely watch it if you haven't already. I I think I watched it on HBO Max. HBO, if you're listening. Uh, we're, I'm giving you a lot of vibes here of other people watching and paying that. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with HBO Max. And if you want to watch, you can watch Dr. Um, Dr. Sleep. Sleep on HBO Max yeah. as well. Yes. He's taking you up on that. This movie, very scary. Uh, different vibes. <laughs> Give a score, buddy. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I know you're trying I'm to not, formulate it. I'm in your not head. looking at the. I, I, I have. Did you gave me this like this list of all the movies? Well, just and pick I a number. Want, I'm not looking at the where it's supposed to be. Pick a number. And since we're doing how you did it, Sean, you gave it like a score of its own, and I like that. I like that score because so now I think that might be something different. Fuck, you're gonna give it two, three, two point three seven. What did you give, Jeremiah? What did you give, Jeremiah? I gave it a point five. I actually think this is a better square movie than uh, Alien. That's my that's my score. Ooh. Okay. So I'm gonna give it's below a failed good first trot tell. I don't give many zeros. This movie is a is a oh, is I a point seven five. Point seven five. Point seven five. Point seven five. Well, like between uh, Eddie, I'm proud of you, buddy. I, I was not expecting that. I, I would expect yeah, like I like this two. Movie. This was a great movie. I, Sh- I, Sean, I don't want to say bring us home. Bring us to almost home. But definitely, yeah. I have to. I had to pause a couple times with this movie to like. So just take a break because it's, it's freaky as hell. <laughs> so I think that this movie does a couple of things better than almost every other movie ever made. Number one is it draws out attention for two hours plus. Well, however long the movie is, you're two hours, you, and, 22 two, two hours and 22 minutes. You, you are tense for two hours and 22 minutes. The pacing of this movie is dog shit slow. <laughs> And still, you are on the edge of your seat waiting for the next thing to happen, the next sound to happen. I hate horror movies. I will say that till I'm blue in the face. This is what a horror movie should be. It is terrifying, bone chilling. Perfectly said. It, It gets right into the heart of who you are and makes you question everything about the reality of the movie, the reality of the characters. You're not distracted by poor acting. You're not distracted, except for Shelley Duvall. You're not distracted. And, and she was great. I just can't stand her. Um, okay. okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're not distracted by any ancillary uh, additional music or any additional science or uh, special effects. You're not distracted by anything. It's raw human people trapped in a freaking terrifying place dealing with their shit. I love the concept of this movie and I, it sticks with you. And that to me, you don't have many movies that do that. I don't know if it's, I I think it's a 1.25. I think that it's if, if, okay, I'm going to be, if it was a little faster pace, if it had a little bit more oomph to it, a little more drama, I think that it would have been higher or lower, whatever you want to call it, better, a better score. But for me, it, it fits that it fits that really great film. Everyone should watch this film. Everyone should appreciate this movie. But at the end of the day, it's just it's not one of the greatest movies ever made. It's it's probably great, one of the greatest horror ever made, but not the greatest mm-hmm. movie. 1.25? 1.25. Okay, so... So what did I give? A 0.75? You yes. got a 0.75. And you got a 0.25? Uh, 0.5. 0.5. 0.5. 0. 0.5. So it's, it's weird. Going into watching this movie last night, I was expecting to give this somewhere around a 2.5 to 3, which I know is kind of weird since it was my pick of a movie. Right? So I, I was like, again, I'd seen it before. I remember that I liked the miniseries way better. Yeah. 
And then I watched it as a, as an adult looking at it analytically and critically. And the fact that I spent two hours or so after finishing the movie reading different theories and watching <laughs> you mean just thinking about watching the movie? 20 minutes of of youtube of them playing the the film forward and playing the film backwards at the same time and seeing how things overlap and freaking myself out to the fact that when my wife said okay i'm going up to bed i said no please please so we went up and brushed our teeth together and then she came and fell asleep on the couch next to me as i finished watching the movie because i couldn't Bear the idea of, sta- of being downstairs by myself on a couch with my dog, which to be honest, that dog won't do anything. <laughs> and and I just didn't want to be alone, right? And I think it's the same thing that when I woke up and when I was going about my day today, I was still thinking about this movie. It stuck with me. And, and Sean, I think you said it the best. Not many movies do that anymore or really in general. Like they, they're, they're forgettable. And I think that honestly, horror films or scare films or whatever you want to call it, thrillers even, they don't stick with you. Right, they're 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 momentary scares, and then they kind of leave you. But this movie did something completely different, and it changed my expectations completely. And when I finished watching this movie, I said, "Holy shit! I don't know if I can watch it again soon, but I can't wait to watch it again to see how much more I see of this movie." And I I think this is a movie that you can see fifty times, a hundred times, and see something different and something new that you've never seen before. You do. And that, to me, is a mark of, of an unbelievable film. Um, I think that not only is this film parodied, we, we actually talked off mic about uh, Ready Player One. Um, this is a film that's would made fun of. Would we call that parody? In, I mean, or would we call that an homage? It would be an homage, I guess. Parodied, I guess, would, would be Toy The Simpsons Story. and Toy Story. We yeah. see the homage uh, throughout. This movie does so many things, things that we didn't even talk about, which is Room 237, which is the woman who changes from beautiful to this old, sorry, hag we, of a we woman. We really didn't get into the details. We didn't of the get into the movie. details because we didn't talk about the, the, the twins, which, I mean, God, I, I can't see a corridor in a hotel room or a motel room, which I guess it wouldn't be a motel, in a hotel room without seeing two little girls or thinking, oh my God, what if I see two little girls there and then them hacked up two seconds later? Like, this movie has affected me since I first saw it when I was 13 or 14, you know, 20 years later. And to me, that is a movie that is resonant uh, and, and it will resonate throughout time. Um, is it a perfect movie? No. To me, the ending, it went too fast. Like all of a sudden, Jack's just frozen. Oh my God, what? But then you get that last shot and you're like, holy fuck, I don't even know what to think at this point. So because of all of that, I'm going to go ahead and agree with Eddie, which I know doesn't really happen ever. And I'm going to say that it is a .75. It is, uh, it is like a really good rum and coke or this is it like two of these absolutely delicious drinks that we made today where i'm not i'm not feeling good because i don't think you can feel good in a movie like this but damn it you definitely need to go and shit out of it you definitely need to go and get some ice cream after this you do need ice cream and you need to <laughs> snuggle with the one the person you love um and so uh yeah it's a point seven five. so eddie where are we at then when we put all those together I I'm happy that we agreed for the first time in a long time. Super psyched. See, horror films actually can bring you guys close Halloween. Together. Okay, we have Halloween. <laughs> Jared, just stay over there. Bring okay, so close, you guys. I'm so happy. Baby steps. Uh, we are at a zero point eight one two five. Holy shit! Yep. Say eight. that one more time. Uh, 0.8125. Oh my god, we have a new if top only five. Sean. Yes, we do. Below 1.25. Uh, well, it depends because we have a lot of tied for one. We got three that's tied for number one. We got Perks of Being 0.5, Sound of Music 0.56, well, Joker. That, considerably, that's the top five then, bro. Well, I'm as in rank. One, two, three, four. No, this this takes the number five spot. Okay, yep. so I, I just I see what you guys Thanks, bro. You guys, okay, my bad, my bad, my Above bad. Jo- I'll, sh- I'll show up. This is below Joker, or I guess 
Not as good as Joker, but better than Jaws, which... Sean, do you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, it's not better than Jaws. <laughs> it's not better than Jaws. Although I will say that... But we're talking about it so much. Like you said, it, we could talk for I, 10 hours. That's what I, was I will say how that did you put, there's way more to whoa. speak about than Jaws. But Jaws, did, Jaws is in a different category. How did you put... It's crazy how you put The Shining there. Well, right, it, it was unintentional. Right next to freaking Maybe Jaws. Sean has The Shining. Bro, and, just so and I already see The Net Store too. He, and it's pretty accurate. <laughs> It's fucking In case you aren't understanding what the dude. heck's going on, Sean printed out the uh, entire list of our ratings from 1 to 38. It's really hard to And look at he this. just happened to put The Shining right literally next to, Jaws, next above, to right where it actually goes. So either Sean has got The Shining or, or Sean's this, always been the caretaker. He's oh. <laughs> okay with that. This, this whole time it was Jack Grady. I don't know, but you put Jaws and, and the Shining together, and you know what? Fuck, I'm okay with that. But it makes sense. I mean, sense. at the end of the day, I, all I of these, too. all of the top ten movies are great movies. It's not like, uh, yeah. Elf. I love Elf. Elf is a don't great mess movie. with Elf, bro. But my God, top ten movies of all time. All right. Well, no, this is just our list. <laughs> of our list. <laughs> don't mess with Elf, bro. All Wait. right. If you enjoyed our review, or a fan of the podcast, we ask you please subscribe wherever you're listening and give us a five star review on iTunes. Written reviews are really what makes us grow on the charts. We've had Big enormous. Fish Big Fish is number nine. Yeah, that's one of our unreleased. Remember that one? Number one. So, uh, yeah, written reviews are really what make our our <laughs> podcast go. And we've had some great success with The Godfather, with Alien. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been very, very fun. So we, we appreciate everyone who's giving us a listen. You can find us on Instagram at The Gentleman Podcast. You can visit our website at thegentlemanpodcast.com. Or if you want to reach out, you can do so by email at uh, hosts at thegentlemanpodcast.com. Uh Gentlemen, what do we have next week? If you write a nice review, I will personally call you out. Well, don't yeah, say call you out. That's such a negative thing. No, I'll no. call you out in a nice we way. We will mention you, we'll on, mention you on, on, the on, the on the podcast in future. Yeah, uh, absolutely. As long as you say something nice. And by all means, everyone <laughs> who is listening right now, we're, we're so thankful. But God, just one person, just share us to one of your friends, your family member. It goes a long ways. Trust me on that, yo. And we do appreciate you. Jerry, what what is our movie in two weeks that we're going to be talking about? Oh, I don't know, but something tells me is that it's going to be um, an 80s... Hey, 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 hey! So you're saying we're in detention together. Uh, eat my shorts. <laughs> what did you say? The geek. The prom queen. The, the, jo- the, jock, the jock. The recluse. Yeah. <laughs> the weird girl. I don't even know. Well, and, and then the uh, criminal. I love if you. Get, if you get the bull, you get the horns. What is it? <laughs> He's he he said that right away in the movie. I too. know. Like, Everyone, we're gonna have good times in a couple weeks. We're getting back. I mean, this is the '80s, summer of '80 love. Thank you. The Breakfast Club. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. I'm going to be honest. That was literally one of our best ones. Not as good as Point Break, I would say. Uh, got it in there. Oh, he got, got it, in it in there. I think the Juniors, yeah. I think the juniors was better. What? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>